Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend message with you from Pastor Joel Schmidgall, our executive pastor at NCC. If you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or go to theaterchurch.com. Good to see you guys today. Happy fourth weekend to you. Man, it's good to be here. We're going to go ahead and jump in, but so glad you chose to spend your time with us today. Dr. Thomas Matthew is a surgeon with Johns Hopkins uh, Cardiothoracic Surgery Unit and over at Suburban Hospital, and I got to talk with him this week, and uh, he was telling me an old story. And it was that week, that particular week, that he was prayed up, he said, because he had some challenges going on in his family, and so he was on his knees, and he said, you know, when you're trained in my field and you walk with the Lord, there's no shortage of opportunities for healing. And he walked by a hospital room and he felt a conviction from the Holy Spirit come on him to go in and pray. And it was a woman who had a cardiac arrest. She had died. She had been resuscitated. And so he walked in and there was an older gentleman to the side. He said, hey, is it okay if I pray? It was his wife. Can I pray for your wife? He said, yes. And so he walked over and he laid his hands on her and he began to pray. He began to pray, y'all. He prayed in the spirit up in the ICU that day. And here's what he said. He said, you know, in my line of work, he said, I understand that I put the tendons in the right place, but God is the healer of all things. And he said, three days later, Ruth Foth stood up. She walked out of that hospital after being sedated, after being on a ventilator, After everybody saying that she's not going to make it, she's not going to pull through, she stood up, she walked out, she was fully alive, and she was fully well. It was a miracle. And it's funny because uh, he said, I didn't know who she was. I didn't know who he was until I was visiting National Community Church, and Dr. Foth begins to get up on stage to give a sermon. I leaned over to Dana. I said, Dana, I pray for that guy's wife, and she got healed. Now... Dick Foth calls him one of his best friends, so for good reason, right? And it was, a, it was a moment of miraculous healing from the divine. It was this beautiful moment that God showed up in a specific place that said, Ruth had to make some lifestyle changes to continue to sustain her healing. The initial work was life-saving. The following work was life-sustaining. Can I just be so bold as to pray over our theaters today? God, do some life-saving work in our theaters. God, bring your touch, I pray. Lord, do your life-sustaining work in our midst, in our homes, in our prayers, in our small groups, on our missions teams, in our time in the Word, in our comings and goings. Do your work, I pray today. I pray you do your work in this season, God. We're in the middle of this series called Naming, Healing, and Sending. And these aren't a verse somewhere in the scripture. They're not fruits of the Spirit. You know what these are? These are prayer convictions on our heart. They're prayer convictions for this season, for this moment in time, for this body of believers, for this group of people, for these seven locations. These are convictions in our spirit that we are praying forward, that God might put his name on somebody as Pastor Mark talked about last week out of Numbers chapter 6, that we would begin to name those things that are pulling us down and pushing us back 
and name those things and delete those from our life that we would begin to name one another and see each other as God sees each other, not as we see ourselves. That, that we would see a, a Peter and a Simon, that we would see an Israel and a Jacob, that we would see a Paul and a Saul, that we would become a naming community, that we would be a house of healing. This word healing, it's just a category. It's just a compilation. It's a cocktail of other words that we're praying in our spirit. Things like regeneration and renewing and refreshing and, and revival and pouring out. That we would become a house of healing and that we would be a sent people. A people who understand something. That when God heals, it's so that you can heal. When God forgives, it's so that I can forgive. God always blesses with a purpose. Where are my people today? And so we're praying that God would make us a naming community, that he would make us a house of healing, that he would make us a sent people. Today we're focusing in on healing, though. And I want to go to this obscure passage. It's kind of tucked away in Mark chapter 8, and it's in verse 22. And so we're going to go to this in just a moment. But Lord, I pray your anointing over the word today, God. And I pray that out of the life-giving place of your scriptures would come faith that wells up within us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's verse 22 out of Mark chapter 8, and it says this. As Jesus and his disciples were going into beside us, some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch the man. Jesus took him by the hand and led him out of the village where he spit under the man's eyes. He placed his hands on the blind man and he asked him if he could see anything. The man looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Once again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes and this time the man stared. His eyes were healed and he saw everything clearly. This is quite a strange incident, is it not? This is some fun right here. We look into the scripture and wow, Jesus really takes a different approach in this passage. The miracle is done in stages. And this is the only time throughout all the scriptures, throughout all the gospels that Jesus has to heal twice. And it actually provides a theological complication for us who believe that God is omnipotent, that Jesus is omnipotent, all-powerful, right? Because did he only have part of his anointing right here? Was he not fully divine in this moment? Usually Jesus just had to show up and he'd say a word or he'd touch somebody and the full miracle would happen. So was he inefficient in this moment? I don't think he was inefficient. I don't think his power was inefficient. I think he was intentional. And in fact, I think the theological complication just leads to a theological revelation for each one of us. And he takes us through these stages of healing that maybe you and I can learn something from this story today. First, he takes him out. Second, he touches him. Third, he transforms him. First, he took him out. Have you ever wondered about how much of your day is just habit, Right? Like the majority of our day, it seems like sometimes we just kind of wander through and, and a lot of our day is mindless routine and repeated surroundings that we don't even any longer notice. Studies actually show this. Studies show that around 40% of people's daily activities are performed in the same situation. And uh, a professor named uh, Wendy Wood from USC, she's a psychology professor, she uh, she has a study analyzing how individuals form habits. She says this, when the habitual mind is engaged, our habit 
or our habits function largely outside of awareness. We can't easily articulate how we do our habits or why we do them. You are going from the intentional response to the habitual response. To find your healing, you have to break what would be called a neural signature. We start in the prefrontal cortex and we're fully engaged in what's in front of us. But then what happens is, is when we do things over and over, when it becomes a habit, then it moves from the front of the brain to the sensory motor loop. And that's what it becomes, this neural signature. So that's why when you're driving along and you're going somewhere and you start telling a story, all of a sudden you take that right turn towards your house, right? Because it's that neural signature that you go into that mode, into that habit when you're not thinking about it. Now that said, go back to Mark chapter 8 and linger on verse 23. He took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village. He led him outside the village. We see... Uh, different interpret, and, excuse me, interpretations in this scripture. And some would contend that Jesus led him outside of Bethsaida to do the miracle in private. But what if it wasn't just Jesus wanted to do the miracle in private, but he also wanted to reset a neural signature, that he wanted to break a mindset, that he wanted to break routine. And what was normal to this man, the man probably resided every day in Bethsaida. He went to the same gate, begged around the same other people, and he received the same people. And, so, and those people also had an effect on him, began to infiltrate his heart, which is significant because you look at Matthew chapter 11, and Jesus rebukes Bethsaida among other cities. He rebukes them because he did the work of healing in that city, but there was no repentance that followed. And so Jesus, when he healed physically, he had expectation that there would also be a healing in the spiritual realm that would follow as well. So maybe Jesus pulled the man out of his routine because his routine was the barrier to his true healing. I do know this. Jesus didn't just tell him to meet him somewhere, did he? No, he put his hand out. He picked the man up. He pulled the man. He led the man somewhere towards his healing, right? It was the first touch that Jesus gave. He touched the man by touching his hand. Notice there was no physical healing in that first touch, right? It was a touch of grace. It was a touch of compassion. It was a touch of love. It was a touch that, that of leading this man to a specific place. Most of us want our stated need met by God and nothing else. But that's what Bethsaida got rebuked for, right? Because they just wanted, listen, don't go after God just because you have a stated need that you want him to answer and that's all you want. No, go to God so that he might lead you and lead your life sometimes to get a healing, to get a vision. You got to get out of Bethsaida, don't you? What's your Bethsaida? Is it a place? Is it a mindset? Is it a routine? Is it your normal? Is it that bad relationship? What's your Bethsaida today? We had 99 NCC youth break their routine a couple of weeks ago, and they went on mission camp. And they served in six different projects all around the DMV, making a huge impact on our city out of love and out of service. Can we get it up, give it up for our youth today? 
And what I love was that they understood something. They understand that, that to serve efficiently, they had to worship effectively. And so every night before the next day of service, they would spend hours in worship before the Lord. And it was in the context of worship that one of the older teenagers, she broke down one night. Pastor Brooke put her arm around her. She cried. She sobbed. Because years ago, there was actions of abuse taken towards her. And she had been held captive for, even though it was years, she had been held captive by that action in her life for so long. And so as Pastor Brooke embraced her, she, she lost it. She cried and she sobbed. And as they, they rocked back and forth, she kept whispering something over and over. She kept just saying this, I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. And it was a moment in the presence of God, in worship that she understood something, that she understood feeling wasn't going to lead her out of that prison, that, that emotions were not going to be the thing that helped get out of those chains that she was held in. And so the leaders began to pray for her and began to pray around her and pray the spirit into her. And that night, she had a breakthrough. And she had a breakthrough in the rest of camp. She was not the same. She's gone home since camp. She's not the same person anymore, y'all. She's had a breakthrough, even to the point where she didn't just give permission. She wanted to share. She had to share. And her mom is in the loop, of course, as well. They wanted to share this story of the grace of God showing up and how she's stepping beyond those things. Now, Listen, it's, it's, it's not just as simple as that, is it? We understand something. That, then when we're stepping into something that's so deep, she understands there's a difficult process to work through when you go that deep in the spirit. But she started on the road to freedom. Thank you, Jesus. She couldn't overcome it. The chains that somebody else put on, that's unfair. That's not right. But she came to God and Jesus put out his hand. She knows she's got some work to do, but guess what? Now some people are coming around her and are with her. And now Christ has taken her hand and put her on a road to freedom. Many of us relate with this teenager before the breakthrough, don't we? Many of us relate with the blind man before he was taken out. Because we've become almost familiar with our hurt. Almost like it's a part of us. Almost familiar with this paralysis that comes in our emotional state and in our spiritual state as well. And we begin to reside there and pitch a tent there and live there. And this is where we are. But I wonder today if the Lord has something to say. I wonder if the Lord has something to speak into you today. Maybe the Holy Spirit has some love. Maybe he has a hand to put up. Listen, I fall short, y'all. I am a sinner. I get frustrated in areas that I can't control, that I can't fix myself. Listen, I've got problems. I have issues. I have ailments. I haven't been healed of asthma. That's not my story. I have weaknesses in my life. But you know what? I've had a healer that has showed up and he's put a hand out to me. 
I've had a healer that has been faithful and he showed up in places where I can't get it done myself. And he simply put a hand out and reached out to me because I know something that even when you're in the dark, guess what? There is a morning that is coming the next day. Even when you're in the recesses of the shadows, there is still light that can come, that can show up. And even this blind man, he was taken by the hand. He still didn't have sight, did he? But he knew that when Jesus picked up and pulled him out, he began to follow him. He was on the road to recovery. He was on the path towards healing and towards renewal and towards refreshing. Can we just pause to acknowledge the act of humility that happens here too? This man is sitting. He's willing to be pulled up. He's willing to follow Christ. He's willing to listen to a man, Christ, that he's never heard of before, that he's never had any interaction with. Humility is critical in our healing. Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will what? Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will, I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. The first step towards healing was humility. Our healing often comes down a path that we don't want to be on. Am I right? Am I talking truth today? We don't want to be on that path. The story we just heard about forgiveness. I don't want to get on that path. I don't want to have to forgive. That's pain right there. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to get on that road. Cliff Porter attended our group on the gifts of the Spirit. He's one of our leaders at NCC. And he attended this group led by Pastor Heidi. It was a group that encouraged you to step out in faith. And so uh, one day they encouraged uh, this girl to come forward and to share, and she was in her early 20s. She was also really young in her faith, a couple months, couple months young. And she got up, and she was about the, the age of one of Cliff's daughters. And she stood up, and she began to kind of sheepishly pray. And then she shared what she felt like was a word of knowledge. And she started talking about how she thought that, that somebody, that God had healing for somebody in their knee that night. Now, Cliff had just been to the doctor. His knee was jacked up. It was messed up. Uh, arthritis and pain. He was always wearing a brace around. So his ears perked up. And she kept talking. She kept getting more specific to his situation. And at one point he said, I realized something. I needed to go from being in the audience to being a participant. That night, Cliff was prayed for and he was healed. He took his brace off. And he began to walk freely. And I'm here to tell you something today, that two and a half years later, he's still walking in freedom. He's still walking pain-free with no brace. But listen, when you hear this story, it was this young girl who was about the age and experience in her faith of somebody that he would normally be discipling, right? Of somebody that he would normally be ministering to. But in this moment, Cliff humbled himself that God might show up to speak to him, to perform a miracle through this young girl about his daughter's age that have a few months experience, but he humbled himself and God showed up through what? Through his humility. Humility opens the doors to the presence of God being made manifest in all of our hearts and minds and body. Can I get an amen right there? Matthew 18, 19, if just two of you agree on earth together about anything, it will be done. By the way, notice it says agree for anything. It doesn't say agree for everything. 
right? We don't have, we pray for every, we don't have everything come to fruition when we pray for it, but, but we are called to pray for anything, that God can do anything. And in other words, it's, it's, we don't have to filter our prayer needs that we take to God. We can take anything unto God. And when, when we do, we ask him, and then what? And then we trust. We trust, okay, that didn't work out the way I hoped it would, but I trust you, God. I trust your working. I trust your leading in my life. So first he took him by the hand, and then Jesus, number two, he touched him. Now Jesus was pretty entertaining in this miracle. He didn't just touch the man. He spit on his eyes, and he laid his hands on the man's eyes, and then this man receives a miracle of synaptogenesis. And the light comes shining in, right? But it says that he looked around and he saw trees walking around. He felt like he was in a living arboretum, right? He's watching trees. It's, it's, kind of, it's like he went to a movie and it's a 3D movie. Everyone else has their glasses, but he doesn't have his 3D glasses, right? So he's watching and, and wow, look at the color. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? But what's happening? I don't understand what's going on. I, I can't... St- what is that? What's, what's going on? He had, he had received this miracle, but he didn't have an interpretation. He didn't have true understanding. And, and maybe you relate with this. I've had hundreds of conversations with people at NCC who relate on some level with this experience that, that you've had a touch from God, that you've had an experience with the Lord. Maybe it's during a sermon. Maybe it's through the worship set. Maybe it's out in nature. Maybe it's on mission. Maybe it's serving somewhere. Maybe it's in small group, but you've had an experience with the Lord. God has done this thing. Now what? What do I do now? What does it mean? Where am I supposed to go? What's my direction? What's my vision? And we can get frustrated in this place, can't we? Maybe you got a partial healing. Maybe you got a glimpse of what healing could look like. You felt freedom from your past. You, you found faith over fear. You actually overcame that addiction for a season. Or maybe in, in your family that's constantly broken, you had a glimpse. There was a time where it was just healthy and it was amazing. You were getting along and you were peaceful and joyful towards one another, but, but you've had a glimpse. Listen, praise God for those miracles. No, give him praise for those places of miracle. Give him praise for those little glimpses that he's given you. Give him praise for the taste that he's given you. This week I talked with Mindy Short, who was one of eight people who were baptized last weekend at Gainesville campus. Can we give God honor and praise for people coming to the Lord and getting baptized? And Mindy shared some of her story. She said when she was 11 years old, she found out that she had this degenerative nerve disorder. She was told she would be in a wheelchair by the age she was, uh, uh, by the age of 16. That's a lot of information to digest right there. But she started to pray, and she prayed for a healing from this, and she wanted that healing desperately. She wanted it, but she didn't get the healing that she prayed for. And here's what she said: She said, "I got angry and kind of gave up. I quit caring." My whole life was about having a good time, doing whatever I wanted now because I was going to be stuck in a wheelchair later. Then I met this girl named Julie who was hearing impaired, who believed in the scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Through their friendship, she realized 
her attitude was leading toward nowhere, and she turned her attitude around. She changed her path. She stepped into faith and trust, and she said, God may not have answered my prayer the way I wanted. This is years later. But I have seen God's miracle. I have three beautiful kids, and I'm 42 and not in a wheelchair. In high school, they told me, you're going to be you're going to go on disability right now. But I said, no. And I've been a teacher for 13 years. God keeps giving me these gifts. Through it all, I've learned to lean on God, on prayer, on prayer partners, and what she calls an attitude of gratitude. If you don't get what you want, it doesn't mean that God's not going to give you what you need. So Jesus touched the man. And then he asked the man if he could see anything. Again, an interesting moment in time for those of us that believe that God in the form of Jesus is omniscient, right? That he's all-knowing. Why is he asking the question then? You already know the answer if you're omniscient. What's going on here? But Jesus often asked the question not to receive information, but to impart revelation. And that's what he does right here. He forces the man to confront the work of God on him, but the lack of completion in him. He wanted the man to come back for another touch. Woo! Come on, somebody. He wanted that man not to be satisfied and settled in, in a portion of the miracle. He wanted to give him a little bit. Here's a little something. Here's a little taste. But he wanted it to come back to show back up. If you're here today and you're in a cloudy place, you got a little bit of a vision. You got a glimpse. You had an experience. I want, to, I want to encourage you with something today. Don't give up on God. Don't let go. Press in. Press forward. Pray forward today. Listen, God's name is Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. God has named. He has given you his name. You are healed. You know that. You are healed when you are in Christ. Somebody needs to step into their destiny. Somebody needs to go get their inheritance today. He has called you out. Jesus came in Luke chapter 4, and he said this. He, he said one of his primary reasons for coming was to heal. He desires for there to be healing in this community, healing for his people, healing work on our heads. God is at work. He was at work. He desires through his Holy Spirit to work in us. Jesus took him out. He touched him. And he transformed him. He made him whole. Verse 25, once again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. And this time the man stared. His eyes were healed and he saw everything clearly. Most of us are satisfied when we have an experience with God. All right, that was amazing. That was great. But appreciation isn't cultivation, is it? We're called to cultivate the gifts of God. You might have a vision, but is it the right vision? Or is your vision trees walking around? Why do you think the full miracle didn't happen here in the scriptures? Why was, what, what, what happened here? Was Jesus spit not anointed? Did he not hawk a big enough loogie in this situation? <laughs> what was going wrong? We don't know the answer for sure. But I do know that I've referred back to this scripture so many times in my walk. When the Lord gives me a little taste of something, I've learned something. Don't be settled with that little taste. If you got a little something... Don't stop. My advice to you, if you've had an experience, keep coming back for more. You've had an appetizer. I love appetizers. Woof. 
What's your favorite appetizer? I'm off notes, I'm sorry. What's your favorite appetizer? I'm thinking about the, the ribs, the spare ribs. Am I talking somebody language over at Chang's, right? Oh, it's amazing. I love appetizers. We, and so we sit and we have an appetizer and it's good. And then we stand up from the table and we walk out of the restaurant. But we forgot something. The main dish is still in the oven, y'all. And the filet mignon, whoo, it is good. The Brussels sprout tacos over at Taco City, they are good. They are coming to your table. Don't be satisfied with the appetizer. Sometimes you got to stay. You got to wait. You got to let the chef keep cooking up what he's cooking up. There is a creator in the background that you do not see. But it doesn't mean just because you don't see him that he's not at work. He's working in the background. It's time for us to work and move towards him and wait upon the Lord. Seek him in Mark chapter 8. Grace happens in the first touch when he was led out of the city, right? He gets grace. Sight happened in the second touch, but vision came in the third touch. Grace prepares us. Sight gives us faith, but vision launches us forward. Don't stop short of the full vision that God has prepared for you. There is a miracle and there is a healing on the horizon. Do you know what I'm saying today? There is a healing waiting. And where does that healing come from? It doesn't come from me. It comes from Christ, from him and him alone. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. The emphasis is on himself in the scripture. It is Jesus who does the work. It is Jesus who has the anointed work. It is Jesus who is the healer in this scripture. As I talked with Dr. Matthew this week, he explained the ins and the outs of, the, of healing. And he talked about how it's different in this surgery and how it's distinct for this person and how and this situation is unique over here. And as he's talking to me, and I'm receiving about 40% of what he's saying, I realized something. Okay, a critical part of healing is having access to the right person. Because he has a wealth of experience. He has an amazing education. He has all the acumen. He has the right accolades and, and he has the right knowledge. He has all this stuff. And if I have access to him, I get all that he has. Are you with me today? If I have, I don't need to have the knowledge that he has. I don't need to have his experience. I don't need to have his credentials. I need to have access to him as a person. We focus on the work, but it's not just the work. No, the work gets its value from the person. And when we go to the person, we get everything, all the work that comes with that person. We get the anointing. We get the power. We get the goodness. We get the favor. That all comes in seeking. Are we seeking to be healed or are we seeking a healer today? It's 2 Peter chapter 2. We read it already. And it's, a, it's, it's Deuteronomy chapter 4. It's Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. God rewards those who earnestly seek who? Him. Not what, not the work, it's us who earnestly seek him. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Deuteronomy 4, I think it's 29, when you seek him with your whole heart, you'll find 
you will find, you will find the healer who heals and actively does so. We want just enough of God to bless us, but not to change us. So we seek his work instead of his presence. We seek him to soothe the pain, but don't heal the wound. First Peter 2, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. I say it to get to this, because by his wounds, you have been healed. By his stripes, you are healed. By his cuts, you are healed. By his bruises, you are healed. By his hurts, you are healed. By his pains, you are healed. And we are healed through Christ. I love what my Ethiopian uncle used to say. So whenever you have a setback, don't take a step back because God has already prepared your comeback. It's time for a comeback today. Somebody here, you need to be healed from an addiction. Somebody here needs to be healed from that marriage, and you need healing in your marriage. Somebody needs to be healed in self-harm. Somebody needs to be healed in those broken places of the emotion. Somebody needs to be healed and set free from those hurts that have been in your past. Somebody needs a, a breaking, a loosing of the chains that have bound you from that abuse. Somebody needs to keep going after the spirit in that estranged relationship. We need healing right there. We need the healing of the Lord. Can I tell you something? Don't give up today. Don't stop. Seek that touch today. What's that touch? Is it grace? Is it sight? Is it revelation? Is it that final touch? But don't give up. Heidi Baker, she felt like the Lord gave her word that she would, that she would be a part of healing over blindness. And she prayed for 1,300 people before the first person received sight. Now she goes from village to village asking the first question, bring your blind to me so that God might heal. Pastor Mark, 40 years seeking a miracle. It took 40 years of him pressing in until he got his final touch. Don't give up, church. Don't give in. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing forward. Keep seeking the living God. Let's seek the healer today. Maybe you're afraid to ask. As Bill Johnson says, 100% of the people we don't pray for don't get healed. So we pray for as many as possible and leave the rest up to God. God gave me a word on Thursday morning. It's a simple word in prayer and in praise. You're not finished yet. That God is not finished yet. Remember that simple song? You're not finished yet. You're not finished yet. He is not finished. He is not done. Can I say that today? He's still working. He's still at work in our hearts. Whew, there is a healing in this house. Can I declare it? I declare this is a house of healing. I declare that today. I declare it today. When we go to the Lord's table, when we come to communion, we are declaring who Jesus is, that he is the son of God who came to this earth to break his body, to pour out his blood for us. He gave his life so that you and I can have life and have it in abundance as the scripture says. And so I wanna I want release our leaders right now to go get the elements and you can get in your place and your stations. 
And in just a moment, we're going to have an extended time of worship. And as we worship, we're going to lean in. And when you're ready to receive communion, you can go in your own time. And you'll go to that leader. And when you go up to them, they're going to do something. They're going to look in the eye. They're going to declare, this is the body of Christ that is broken and the blood of Christ that has been shed for you. And then as you receive it, remember that by his stripes, you are healed. And receive that. You take the bread, you dip it in, uh, into the juice, and then you can receive it. And then we're going to have prayer partners around as well. I want to encourage you to lean into prayer today. And maybe that's your Bethsaida, to get outside of your comfort zone and to go and receive prayer from somebody today. But we're going to lean into worship right now. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke that bread. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Whenever you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's step into worship right now and respond. <laughs>